Thank you, Lord. Go with me to two openings this evening. Scripture we've been looking at on Friday nights. John 10 and 2 Corinthians 9 are our texts in the series that we've been on for some uh, weeks now called Abounding Ability. In the 10th chapter, Jesus is speaking in John 10.10 and he says, The thief comes not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Is your heavenly father the thief? Well, then he's not the one that stole from you. He's not the one that killed things in your life. He's not the one that destroyed things in your life. He's not your problem. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. More abundantly. If you look up this word translated abundantly, more abundantly, this phrase and these words are found numerous times in the New Testament. Some, I don't know, seven or so words that are from the same root word, the same basic meaning. And it means to superabound. Somebody say superabound. Superabound. To superabound. Well, abounding is good. Superabounding <laughs> is better. It means excessive. Excessive. I've heard people say, oh, no, we don't want to get into excess. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you don't want to get into error. That's not the same thing as excess. We've talked about it. Our surplus is our ministry. <laughs> if I don't have enough for me, I sure don't have enough to help you. If I have only enough for me, I still don't have enough to help you and me. I could give it to you, but then I'm in lack too, right? In order for my needs to be met and to be able to help you, I've got to have surplus, excess, right? Not just abundant enough, but above that, super abundant, super abounding. Beyond excessive, one translation says surplusage. Surplusage. Is surplusage the will of God for you? You believe it? Now this is where faith comes in. Because if things been tight, tight, tight for you for the last 40 years, your mind's programmed to expect tight tomorrow. And it's going to take something to get that changed. The Word of God is powerful enough to change it if you're open to receive it. If your folks were tied all their life and your grandparents were tied all their life and you just come from a long line of tightness, (laughs) leanness, lack, (laughs) and when you had enough, you thought you were having jubilee. Because it sure is better than not having enough, right. right? But if you've been with us, you know we studied and saw that what happened to Israel in their deliverance and bringing out of Egypt into God's plan and will is a type for what we have in Christ and that they experienced three levels of living. One in the 
Egypt was total lack. They didn't even own their self. Not their own body. Not the rags on their back or the shack they lived in. They're slaves. They're property of somebody else. They got nothing. No future. No hope. No vision. But God brought them out. I said God brought them out. Is he a bringing out God? I want want somebody to tell me he's a bringing out God. Is he a bringing out God? He brought them out. With a high hand, mighty arm, stretched out hand, with signs and wonders. And we just got through talking about in Psalms, it said he brought them out with silver and with gold, money in their pockets, and healing in their bodies. There was not one feeble person among their tribes. But then they're in the wilderness, and he performed miracles because there's no Piggly Wigglies out there. So what's a Piggly Wiggly? You're from up too far north. Okay, Safeway. Publix, whatever. <laughs> Mississippi, we had Piggly Wigglies. That's a grocery store. There are no grocery stores out there in the desert. There was no food. There's millions of people out there and livestock. Where are you going to get all the food? Feed these people. God brought them water out of the rocks. He rained manna out of the sky, didn't he? He flew in quail without an airplane. (laughs) But day to day, it was only just enough. The Bible said, he that gathered much didn't have anything over. He that gathered little didn't have lack. It was all just, we might say it like this, only just. It was enough, but no more. That sure beats not having enough. But are they where God wants them? No, No, they're in the wilderness. This is wilderness living. Now see, there's all kind of Christians that are living wilderness level. And they they think it's the full blessing. Because they're having miracles. And that is one. Did they have miracles? I think water out of the rocks a miracle. Huh? Manna falling out of the sky? Those are miracles. But is that God's highest and best? No. No. God had something else for them. Didn't he? He intended that they learn some faith lessons and just come through the wilderness. Not live out there and circle out there for decade after decade. Just go through there on their way to the promised land. Canaan's land, the land that flows with milk and honey, where you don't just have enough, you have grapes. Takes two men to haul. One cluster of grapes. That's a too much grapes. Right? That's what God had planned for them, and that's what God has planned for us, is surplus. More than, not just enough, more than enough. Said out loud, not enough, not enough is not his will for me. Just enough is not his perfect will for me. More than enough is his perfect will for me. Now you need to make up your mind before you hear another verse, before you see another dollar or another piece of anything that you believe that. Not based on what you see or don't see, how you've lived or haven't lived. Make up your mind, I believe this. this. 
Right? No matter what I've experienced or haven't experienced, I'm not going to try to explain it away because I haven't been living in surplus. I'm going to believe God to elevate my experience, to bring me up to that. Right? Bring me out of that and bring me up and into that. Out of Egypt, out of the wilderness, into the promised land. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Second Corinthians nine and verse eight. Second Corinthians nine. I'm gonna read the Weist translation. Second Corinthians nine eight. It says, Moreover, God is powerful to make every grace superabound to you. In order that always having an all sufficiency in all things, you may superabound to every good work, even as it stands written, he, the liberal person, scattered abroad, he gave to those who are poor, his righteousness abides forever. You had everything you need in every area and you had surplus and you didn't just pile it up at your house. You gave it. You sowed it. And even in days to come and even after you're not on the earth anymore, your righteousness remains. Can you say amen? Amen. It abides forever and your reward will be with you past this life. Can you say amen? Amen. How many like to have a lot more ability, a lot more ability to bless others, to preach the gospel, to help people in need? Well, it's good to want it. That's a good start, but it's not enough. It doesn't come by wishing. It comes by believing and it comes by doing some things that he told us to do. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. He can bring us into it. Now, if you haven't heard everything that's gone before, it would benefit you. To get the CDs, get the DVDs, download it on the uh, website. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground already. But if you would, go with me to Matthew 8, verse uh, 19. Matthew eight nineteen. A scribe came and said to Jesus, Master, I will follow you wherever you go. Verse 20. Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. Now, some have taken verses like this and they said, well, you know, Jesus was living on the street and he never owned a thing. And if you really want to be spiritual and godly, then you ought to be like Jesus. Of course, that sounds good. Be like Jesus. <laughs> now you see why I was laughing a while ago. <laughs> I almost hear some people go, Boy, you're doing so good, Brother Keith. Why'd you have to bring this up for me? <laughs> All the scriptures are true. And an understanding of one passage has to agree with the other passages, or it's not right. That's what the Bible talks about rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, I know that sounds right in people's mind, but it's an oversimplistic idea, 
And it's inconsistent with how people are living. People say, well, you want to be like Jesus. Okay, how far are you going to go with that? He never got married. Does that mean none of us ever supposed to get married? No children. No family. Of course, you know, if you're married and have a family, it's good to have a house. Place they can call home. Fixed address. At least you can get some mail. School bus knows where to stop. Instead of the kids just showing up on a different corner every day. (laughs) Why am I saying that? Because the interpretation that people have of some of these verses is ignoring hundreds of other verses and twisting something out of it that's not right. That's not true. Also, Jesus never preached outside his area. He didn't preach to the Gentiles. He said, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, you're going to be just like Jesus? Then you can't preach to anybody else than that little area? No. Jesus didn't own buildings and lands. He didn't need to. He was on a short course to the cross. He is our example, and he is also our, our substitute, our sacrifice. And we need to divide between, because nobody can be the sacrifice that he is, but all of us can follow the example that he gave us. But what example is that? Jesus was not penniless. And he was not sleeping on the street because he had nowhere to sleep. He stayed in some nice places. He ate good food. He and his ministry staff had enough money. They needed a treasurer. And there was enough money in the treasury bag that the treasurer stole some. And apparently, I mean, if you only got three dollars and somebody takes one. Everybody's going to know it, right? And of course, if you only got three dollars, what do you need a treasurer for? And they had enough money to regularly give to the poor. Didn't they? They had wealthy people that were staunch supporters of them. You read about Susanna and and folks that were connected to Herod, who was the ruler and the king, followed Jesus and supported them out of their finances. True or not? See, people just ignore all these verses and they twist things around and try to, it's it's the enemy behind it because who wants you to where you can't do anything financially and materially? How does it benefit God to give you a job to do? How about the job to the body of Christ of going into all the world and preaching the gospel and give you not enough to do it? How does that benefit him? No. They're wrong ideas about all this. I tell you what is the right idea though. Having a bunch of things that are not connected to your call can be a burden, can be a weight, can be a distraction. And Jesus didn't have all of that. Now, what he did need, he had it. 
He had it in abundance and he had top notch. But he didn't fool with a lot of other things he didn't need. And that is a good example. That is a great example to follow. Let's read a couple of scriptures. We read this already, but look at it again. In 2 Timothy 2, you don't have to turn there. They'll put them up on the screen for us. 2-4, 2 Timothy 2-4. He said, no man that wars does what? Entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Everything you get, everything you own, everything you're involved with takes time, takes effort, it's got to be maintained or let go, clean it, service it, insurance. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What I mean, and you get a lot of stuff that the Lord didn't tell you to do and didn't tell you to be involved in, it's going to cut into what he did tell you to do. Entanglement. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who's chosen him to be a soldier. We do believe in prosperity. We believe God's a good God who will not only give you plenty, but give you more than enough. Excess. But not excess to do just any and everything you decide you want to do. Excess to do what he's telling you to do. Prosperity for his purposes. Focused prosperity. Prosperity with purpose. Can you say amen? Amen. And you'll be happier. I'll be happier. The fewer distractions we have. I know the Lord. uh, uh, Let me read this. 1 Corinthians 7.35. Then I'll tell this. He said this. Concerning marriages. And concerning home life. Uh, 7.35. He said I speak the, the things he just got through saying. For your own profit. Does God want you to profit? Not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that you may attend upon the Lord, how? Without distraction. This world you live in and I live in is a busy, convoluted, distracting place. There are many voices in the world, and they're all saying a bunch of stuff, and most of it's not God. And there are thousands upon thousands of things you can get involved in. Clubs, projects, business deals, hobbies. And it's fine to have some fun and have some things that you enjoy. But you got to watch about even the word of God being choked out of your life because of the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches and other things entering in. Don't you? Don't you? I know a friend of mine that uh, years ago he was up to his eyes and you know, business, the American dream, all those things. And, and they begin to get serious about God. This is years before we ever met. He told me after the fact what happened. And uh, 
He said he was praying and telling the Lord, Lord, do you want me to do anything? Do you want us to do anything? I can help you with that answer. How many know God's got a call for everybody? Everybody, there's something for you to do in God's work. Maybe you never stand behind a pulpit and preach, but there's something for you to do. Everybody has a place and has a part, has a calling. And so he said the Lord gave him a word so simple. He said, lighten the load for the journey. (laughs) Lighten the load for the journey. And so he did. He began to liquidate. He began to get out of stuff. And exactly when he did, the Lord gave them direction. And within about a year and a half, we got to know each other. Never would have met if they hadn't done that. It's too easy to spend all your time taking care of your stuff. And you can get to the point where who's serving who? I mean, I'm running around taking care of all this stuff. And see, precious days are clicking by. Aren't they? Precious, precious days are clicking by. And it's such a danger to think, well, one of these days we'll get through with all this and we'll get caught up and we'll do something for God. And oh, you have to watch. You'll look up and it'll be time for you to leave here. Today is the day of salvation. Now is God's accepted time. We don't know about tomorrow. These days are precious. And we really need to take account and examine what's in our life. And is it worth having a place in our life? Especially if it's eating up your time. And one of the reasons why so many do not have surplus is because of this. Unauthorized Involvements, unapproved expenditures. And see, once you get involved in something that you're not supposed to be involved in, well, the blessing's not there, the grace is not going to be there, so it's just going to eat up stuff. It's just going to be a drain, it's going to be parasitic. It's going to eat up your time, it's going to eat up your thought life. You're going to be laying in bed trying to figure out how to get that thing fixed and trying to pray and trying to believe God and it's wearing you out. And then when something else comes up, you've got no patience for that. And so you snap at them. And this is something you should be fresh and ready for. But you're worn out because of this. And the reason why it's so hard is because you were never supposed to be in it to begin with. So no grace for it. And it's just sucking money. Sucking money. And what if you had all that money that's getting sucked up? Could you have plenty? Could it affect your surplus? <laughs> I hear gears turning. Listen to some scriptures here with me. Second Timothy, go over there. Second Timothy, the first chapter. The provision of God is attached to the call of God. Say it out loud. The provision of God. The surplus of God. Is attached. Bonded to. The call of God. Think of all the verses that you've heard along this line. 
When do you see God saying, all these things will be added to you? When you're doing what? Doing your best to do what you think? Not seeking first his kingdom and his right way of doing things and having things. When you're seeking him and putting him first, what's attached to that? All these things. But people have done away with the seek ye first and just tried to believe for all these things. And it doesn't work because the provision, all these things, is connected to, it's attached to and inseparable from the plan of God, the call of God. Now, it's not the only way to get money. You can get a pistol and go get you some money. (laughs) You may not be able to enjoy it very long, but... There are ways to get money and get stuff completely apart from God. You can lie. You can steal. You can run over other people. You can take it. You can become a millionaire. You can become a billionaire without God. I know folks don't like to hear that. Let's just stop here. Hitler got billions to finance his war machine. Did God give it to him? (laughs) How did he get it? See, in this world, you can do things completely apart from God. But if you want the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow to it, you got to do it his way. You got to seek his plan, his kingdom. Come on, can you say amen? Amen. We're not talking about just getting money and stuff for the sake of getting money and stuff. We're talking about the Lord adding it to you. The Lord adding it to you. And when he does, it's just blessing. And there's no sorrow. There's no downside. There's no negative. When the Lord adds something to you, it's not a drain. It's not parasitic. It's not a burden. When you add stuff to yourself without him and contrary to what he told you to do, it's a burden. And don't feel bad. Don't look down. All of us have done it. We're talking about learning, though, and growing and coming up. I know for the first few years in ministry, I pushed some things. I said, Lord, I, I want to do this and, and pushing him to let me do things. And did you know he will let you do what you want to do? Even if it's got nothing to do with him. You know, Israel wanted a king. Remember that? And he let them have it. Even though it was not his perfect will, it was not his plan. He'll let you have what you want. And uh, after some unpleasant experiences, I fell down on the floor one day and I said, God, I I don't want you to let me do what I want to do anymore. (laughs) I'm tired of this. (laughs) I want to know what you want me to do. How many know when you find out his plan, you don't have to struggle trying to get it financed. It's already provided for. His plan includes all the provision, including surplus, that it'll ever take to do it. Read these scriptures with me. 2 Timothy 1 and 9. 2 Timothy 1 and 9 says, he saved us and called us with what? 
a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Are we called to do something for him? Now with that call, is there in his purpose grace and ability to help us complete that call? Yes, there is. Look at Ephesians 1. Many have prayed this prayer. Ephesians 1.18. This part of the prayer where he prayed. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you would know what? That you would know what the hope of his calling. What goes with that calling and that hope. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The riches, the glory of the inheritance goes with the call. Doesn't it? They're directly connected together. Thank you, Lord. Philippians 3.14. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark. For what? The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Where's the prize? What's it connected to? The call. The prize and the call. The provision and the call. The grace and the call. The riches of the inheritance and the call. Come on, can you see a thing? There's verse after verse like this in the New Testament. Where's all this surplus we're looking for? It's hooked up to the call. It's already on the trailer hitch. It's already hooked up and fastened and ready to go. (laughs) But you can't just hook this massive surplusage provision to something you dreamed up that's contrary to God. That you're not even supposed to be in. He's already got this surplus attached. Connected to his call. Can you say amen? amen. 2 Thessalonians 1.11. I think you can take another couple of these. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 says. Wherefore we pray always for you. That our God would do what? Count you worthy of this calling. And do what? Fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Does that sound like lack? All the good pleasure of his goodness? What's it connected to? This calling. This calling. This calling. Second Peter 1.10. A final one here. Second Peter 1.10. He said, Wherefore, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. You fall, you fail when you do things outside the call. The Amplified says it like this. The Amplified here in verse 10. Because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. You know, I became convinced as a teenager. If I could learn how to hear from him, I had it made. And now, several years later, I know it's true. I know it's true. If you can hear from him and you'll do what he says, the rest of it's going to work out. He's got the rest of it. Everything, every door will be opened. Every need will be met. Every grace will be added to you. Come on, are you listening? Every anointing, everything you don't know, he'll teach you. But when you decide to go another way, the way of the transgressor, that's the hard one. It's hard because you keep pulling, you keep struggling, you keep trying to make it work and it just won't work. 
You keep going in the hole. You keep coming up short. Friend, you never wasted any time seeking the Lord about his plan for your life. One of the most important things you could ever do is seek him. Lord, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be connected to? What am I supposed to be doing? What is your call on my life? Now, that doesn't mean you can't work a job. That doesn't mean you can't have a family and you can't have these things. Jesus didn't need church buildings. He didn't need land and property. That wasn't his call. He didn't need a ship or a train or a plane to travel the world. He's only sent to this group for this short amount of time. But does he want churches in the earth today or not? Well, then they need places to meet. Do they need little junky, cheap places? While the world spends billions on casinos? (laughs) Can you see what I'm talking about? People have taken this. Well, Jesus was living in the street. No, he wasn't living in the street. I mean, from the time he's a child, people showed up at his house with gold and silver and precious stones and things and that helped their family they had supernatural protection God would move them here then he'd move them over here they're at the right place at the right time and in his ministry the scriptures that tell you he had good clothes he had good food he even had some expensive things given to him but he had nothing that didn't affect his call anybody listening that was a distraction to him or a weight to him, or pulling on him, he served the Father without distraction. And that is a good example. That's the best perfect example. Right? And you and I can seek him. Tonight we can ask him to show us anything that's a hindrance, anything that's a a parasitic drag, anything that's a weight. What the Bible say, you know, we're quoting that scripture in Hebrews, aren't we? The 12th chapter. Remember what it said? Turn there. Hebrews 12 and 1. What does it say? Seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. See how much stuff you can become a part of. See how many pies you can get your fingers in. (laughs) No. 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 Do what? Let us. Everybody say it out loud. Read it with me. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Can weights and sins weigh you down, drag you down, slow you down, eat up your time, eat up your thought life, eat up your resources? It's a simple, simple principle. If you spend it on the wrong thing, will you still have it for the right thing? You know it doesn't work with your money in your pocket and your purse. If you spend it on the wrong thing and you find out tomorrow, oh, this is the one I should have got. <laughs> well, late. You give it to somebody you shouldn't have given it to. And you find out two weeks later, oh man, that's where I should have given it. If you spend it on the wrong thing, 
Will you still have it for the right thing? Can you see a trick of the enemy? He is the master of distraction. He's always trying to sidetrack you and distract you. Get you involved in this. And anything you and I get involved in that the Lord didn't tell us to get into, the enemy has an open door to cause us problems with that. Because we're in it in disobedience. Can you see this, friend? You know, so many times people have blamed God. Well, I'm having so much trouble with this. And they've blamed other folks and gotten mad and worn out. But the truth is, go back to the beginning. When did you get involved with that? The first part of it. Did you know there's some calls you never should have made? Some meetings you never should have had. Some things you never should have got into. And it can be a good, needy thing. But you're one person. You're not the savior of the world. You're not the healer. You're not the provider. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? Amen. And even though we've made mistakes, all of us have made mistakes in these areas. But do you believe God could help us give us some wisdom so that we quit doing this? I'm thoroughly convinced, thoroughly convinced, if we quit all these unauthorized involvements and all these unapproved expenditures, we're going to wind up with surplus. Oh, it may not all happen in a week or two, but over the course of time, we will wind up with a surplus of time, a surplus of energy, a surplus of patience. Come on, anybody listening to me? A surplus of free time, a surplus of money and ability and opportunity. When you cut out all the waste and junk and distraction, I believe we find surplus. 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 I know the Lord said that to me years ago about time. And I believe the same thing is true about money and every other resource. Time is actually the most precious of all these resources. Much more precious than money. I was telling the Lord, this has been 25 years ago. I had gotten really, really busy. Too busy. And uh, I actually got to prayer. I thought I was being spiritual about it. I said, Lord, I just seem like I don't have enough time. I don't, show me, help me out what to do. And I'm looking for some great big spiritual epiphany that God's going to supernaturally multiply my time and what's going to happen here. And so I told him about the third time I don't have enough time. And he interrupted me. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, he interrupted me mid-sentence. He said, Keith, if you don't have plenty of time to do everything I'm telling you to do, you are wasting time. You're wasting it. I kind of sat back. I thought, oh, I don't feel like I'm wasting time. These are all good things. These are, yeah, but that don't mean the Lord told you to do them. You see how subtle it is. It's, it's deceptive. And as I begin to ask, I said, Lord, help me. Help me to see it. Open my eyes to see it. And as I begin to go over, th- I begin to realize they just came to me and wanted me to get into it. I didn't even ask the Lord. I didn't even pray. I didn't even ask him, should I be in it? And it's costing money, and it's costing time, and thought life. Just because it's a a good thing, or a needy thing, or a good opportunity, that's not a leading of the Lord for you. 
And you got to watch about the enemy because he wants you involved in so many things and so worn out. People are chronically fatigued in this generation. They stay up all day and all night. They answer 10,000 emails and 20,000 texts. And how much of that is necessary? How much of that is needful? People are wearing their, I'm talking about people of God, wearing their self out. And of course, a lot of stuff costs money. So you're spending money on this, spending money on that, spending money on this, and then coming up short, coming up tight, coming up short. Now, this might not have been the message that you expected tonight. <laughs> but you need to judge it. Is it just Keith waving his arms and talking? Or could it be beyond me? Is it more? Is it in the Bible? Is it the word of the Lord? Read this text again, Hebrews 12.1. What did he say? Let us. Who's going to do this? You got to do it for yourself. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. That trips you up, hinders you, slows you down, weighs you down. Like the Lord told my friend, lighten the load for the journey. Next thing you know, he was out on the mission field doing some good things. Next thing you know, uh, he and his wife helped Phyllis and I for years and years and years in the ministry. We'd have never met if he hadn't lightened his load and actually wound up in a different part of the country in a whole other situation. Our life is not just about the accumulation of stuff or about being comfortable or about getting to the place where we can retire. Our purpose is to serve him, to find out our call and our place. And if we'll eliminate all the other stuff, I believe we will have surplus to do what he tells us to do, top-notch, best. Do you believe it? Plenty of time, plenty of energy, plenty of money, plenty of help. And when you see where you don't have plenty of time, money, and help, that's when it's time to back up and go, hold on now. Am I supposed to be doing this? Do I know he told me to do that? Because provision is supposed to be there. Surplus is supposed to be there. Plenty. Strength. Ability. I can see in the spirit. People in this room, people in Sarasota, people watching by internet, people that will listen watch this later. I can see people who have been dragging and burdened down and tight. Close your eyes. I can see changes. I can see the yoke destroying, burden removing power of God's anointing, enlightening minds and people, men and women in this room and other places saying, I see that. I'm cutting that off. I see that. I'm getting rid of that. I'm getting out of that. I see that. Lord, you never told me to forgive me, Lord. And I'm seeing month by month and year by year. And I see that person. They look like a different person. They are rested. They are happy. They got extra time, extra strength, extra energy, extra patience, extra money. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it? Pray it out loud, everybody. Say, Father God, God, open my eyes eyes to see see every involvement, every every expenditure, every every obligation obligation that's not of you, you, that you didn't direct me to do it. 
that I didn't ask you about or that I ignored what you said and did it anyway. I'm asking for mercy. I'm asking for light. I'm asking for grace. I'm asking for wisdom in Jesus' name to lay aside every weight, every sin, and so I can be free and run my race without hindrance, without distraction, without lack. In Jesus' name, so be it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Everybody stand up for a moment and lift up your hands. Give him thanks. Give the Lord thanks. We thank you. 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 Just close your eyes. Lift up your voice. Let's praise him and thank him for a few moments. Lord, we thank you. We worship you. We give you glory. We praise you. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Oh, <laughs> hmm. hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Just just thank him, Lord. We thank you for showing us every distraction, every weight, everything that's not of you. Every place that's a drain and, and a waste. Everything that's eating up and devouring because it's not from you, it's not of you. Thank you for showing us. Thank you for helping us, giving us wisdom and grace and strength to cut it off, to change it, to adjust it, to get it right. In Jesus' name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.